What up, Excel? Hey, listen, do me a favor, guys, and I need you to understand. How many of y'all want to go to retreat this year? How many of y'all want to go to Spring Breakaway? Awesome. Here's what I need. Go on our Instagram, go on our Facebook, click on that link, and at least begin the registration process, okay? Uh, there's a few steps that you got to go through. We're going to help you every week understand what that's like. There will be no forms, so you can't be like, oh, well, I forgot my form at home. No, that's a bad excuse, okay? And just remember that once you register, there's an additional parent form that you need to click on. It'll be on the end of your registration. You'll also get an email that I have a link to that form. Make sure you fill out that form. It's super easy. They just have to do an e-signature on it, and they can sign it. For those of you who've never been or just aren't sure what Spring Breakaway is, let me just give you a quick breakdown. Because our leaders just came back from our own retreat. We got away this weekend, and man, God filled us up, and God did some amazing things in our lives. We cried buckets of tears, good tears, crazy tears. We laughed. We had a great time. We went no sleep. That was probably dangerous on the drive back, but we went no sleep. And, uh, and here's the deal. There is something special about when a group of believers get away from everything else and just focus on growing in their relationship with God. You get away from distractions, you get away from family drama, and you just pour yourself into a deeper relationship with God. And on top of that, we have a lot of fun, we have a lot of games, but I'm telling you, the impact this will have will affect you the rest of your life. As a matter of fact, I just believe this is God. Uh, in the middle of worship, I'm talking to Jonathan, we're going over some stuff for tonight, and a former student who, man, he's got to be, how old is he now? 28? 29? No, he's a little bit older than that. Anyway, he old now. I got, I got this text. I screenshotted it and I posted it up real quick. Do you, you guys have that? Were we able to do that? It said, hello, sir. He sent me $109. Pick that kid, pay for breakaway. He said, whoever the kid is, let them know that going to spring breakaway, bonding, being a part of the church that cares has deeply changed my life and it picked, impacted me in a bigger way than anyone else ever has. I love you, PJ. Love you, bro. This will be my announcement tonight. Hey, listen, he already paid for somebody. Okay, so don't let money ever be the thing that stops you. We have never in my 13 years of youth ministry had to say no to a kid because of money. And by the grace of God, we never will. Because we have a church that believes in you. We have a church that pours into you. We have a church that says, hey, I don't know who that kid is, but I know somebody needs a touch of Jesus. So here's my money that I worked for so that I could plant a seed in somebody else. Listen, y'all, don't let this be for nothing. Amen. Let's make sure we pour it out. Let's make sure we take advantage. Because I'll tell you this. He ain't the only one that does that. My best friend, since the day he got saved, has sent me a full scholarship for a student. Every year I've ever done breakaway, he has sent me a full scholarship. You don't even ask me no. I just get the money in my account, and it's an automatic thing. People are willing to invest in you because they believe in this generation, and I believe in you too. So please, we can't help you if you don't at least register. So get on that registration. If you need scholarships, go ahead and click the pay later, and then you can talk to me on the side. We can work something out. But at least let us know so we can start putting our plans together because breakaway is like a little bit over a month away. So we want to make sure we get that taken care of ASAP. Amen? All right. Now, listen, I got a special treat for y'all today because I will not be preaching. Uh, we have a guest speaker tonight, my wife, Cicely Silva. Now, hey, listen. 
Let me, bra- let me brag on my wife real quick. Because some of you may not know my wife or may not have met my wife. Uh, we, we have had uh, two kids in the last two years. And so how many know she's been busy? Um, but my wife is amazing. She is uh, the sharp, smart one in the family. She's the one that graduated with like a 5.0 GPA. And, and she graduated college and she got her master's degree. And so she's, she's the educated one. I'm the pretty one. And so... No, you got that too, I guess. I'm the, I'm the funny one. Um, so, hey, listen, uh, I want you guys to make sure you understand something. She would tell you, I'm not a preacher. Yeah. But I think everybody is called to do what God's called them to do. And I think, I think she does have a little bit of gift and she'd just be shy on it. So, one more time, would you give it up for my wife, Cicely? Hi, guys. Um... So the last two years, you know, I've had kids. <laughs> We've had kids. <laughs> and it's been really interesting because before that, I was almost at everything <laughs> with P. Joey. Like, I was always here at every ministry event, and then I wasn't anymore. So it's kind of an interesting two years because then I'm, I'm questioning, like, okay, what's my role in ministry? What am I doing? What am I called to do? And I really believe that God has put in my heart just a strong calling to teach people the word, <laughs> for, for people to know the word. And so that's what I'm doing here. That's, I'm not interested in preaching, but God told me to teach the word, so that's what I'm doing. Um, and so... Honestly, like the word has just had a huge impact on my life. I, I mean, I go through so many insecure thoughts and, and so much insecurity in my life. And the word has constantly been my root. And so that is just more of a passion because of that. I've personally taken it upon myself to, to just know the word. I've read through it twice I read it all the time, but I read through the whole Bible twice, and I'm reading through it again, and I just have such a strong desire, not just to know bits and pieces, but to know the full word, and I'm doing that with my daughter now, just trying to teach her. I'm, I'm definitely like a little things person. I like to have all these little things. P. Joey's not. He's a practical person, so it drives him nuts because I've got all these little things that, that don't really matter, but... <laughs> I just keep finding excuses to buy cute stuff. So to teach my daughter the Bible, I started buying like these little key tags and they've got verses on them and they've got people in the Bible. And so I teach her a story because I want her to be able to visualize what's going on. I got this little keychain from Talisa's mom. It's got a little whale. So I'm about to teach her about Jonah and the big fish. So I'm just constantly looking for ways to drill the word into her because it's so important. It's, it's been so pivotal to my walk. And I know that God says that we should know the word. And so tonight, that's what I'm going to talk about. The title of this sermon is called Every Word. Um, and that's... Let's get into it. So Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 through 4. The title comes from this section of scripture. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, Man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That's, that's huge. <laughs> Bread alone, that's food. We need food to survive, right? Um, and so each of my points, it's a little bit different. 
it's a part of that scripture, a part of what Jesus quoted. And so Jesus quoted scripture when he was being tempted. Um, and so by the end of this, I want you to know, like, it's important to know scripture. It's important to know every word. So the first point is going to be man shall not live on bread alone. So as I said, we need food to survive, right? You can't go too many days without food. It starts to deteriorate. Your body starts to go through a process and it hurts you. You start to feed off your muscles and things that you really need in your body. Um, and just like we need food to survive, we need the word to survive in the world. Um, that's just the level of intensity. It's not to say that you don't need food. Obviously, you need food. But we're supposed to starve for the word as much as we starve for food. And so I just love that throughout the temptations, Jesus quoted scripture. He kept quoting the word. In fact, that verse itself, or the, that portion of the verse says, it is written, man shall not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. That comes from Deuteronomy chapter 8, verses 2 through 3. It says, remember how the Lord your God led you all the way in the wilderness these 40 years to humble and test you in order to know what was in your heart, whether or not you would keep his commands. He humbled you, causing you to hunger and then feeding you with manna, manna, which neither you nor your ancestors had known to teach you that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of the Lord. Jesus quoted exactly that last piece of the verse three and how important he was able to to just look at scripture to determine what his situation was he got encouragement he was led into the wilderness by the holy spirit it wasn't like he just went like hey i <laughs> i want to starve it was like, no, it was the Holy Spirit that led him there. And you know, a lot of times we're led into wildernesses or, or just hard times in our lives. And then we start to wonder like, okay, God, do you even see me? What's the point of this? And Jesus, in order to get through those times and not fall into temptation, went back to the scripture to see like, okay, when I'm in a wilderness, what's the purpose? Like the people of Israel were led into the wilderness by God. They were there for 40 years, not 40 days, but still like, 40 was the magic number, right? There's, there's just similarities in the situations. And, and Jesus was able to find purpose in his time in the wilderness because of the scripture. God led the people of Israel into the desert to test him, to test them and to know what was in their hearts, whether they would keep his, their command, his commands. It was to humble them. And so Jesus was in the wilderness to be tested, to be humbled. God wanted to know what was in Jesus's heart. And so because of that, he was able to, to go at Satan with the word and let him know, like, yeah, it's not just about bread. It's not just about my physical hunger. I know why I'm here. I know that there's more to this and I'm not forgotten because when we're hungry, we feel forgotten, right? When we're hungry for attention, for affirmation, for love, for promotions, for um, just being known, a lot of times we feel like we're not seen and we've been forgotten, especially if you've been faithful to the Lord. It's like, okay, when's my time coming, God? Where are you at? And Jesus was in the wilderness, like, okay, God, when you can feed me, I'm hungry. And Satan pointed to that. He pointed to that lack, and Jesus was still able to say, like, no, I know God's still here. I know he still has a purpose. There are things that we turn to 
that will fill us without satisfying our needs. There are relationships we can use when we feel unloved or when we feel insecure, but at the end of all, you're just not single, but in total, complete insecurity. You don't know who you are. You don't know what you mean. There are job promotions like, awesome, you work for Chick-fil-A or wherever. That's great. Not to say you don't need it, but like, okay, you're at Chick-fil-A struggling with your walk, (laughs) wondering to hear from God, like, where are you? And that's, again, that's not to say these things aren't necessary. You need a job to pay for things. You need relationships, but they're not to take the place of Lord. You can go for fast food and still not satisfy your body. (laughs) It'll satisfy the craving, but it's not going to satisfy the need you have. And so these things that God put in our life, education, jobs, family, relationships, they're not meant to take the place of God and scripture and and just what the Holy Spirit is going to do in our lives. So that's the first part. Man shall not live on bread alone. The word should be as important to us as food. The same way we constantly are reminded like, hey, I'm hungry. I need to eat. It's like, hey, I need the word. I need to be in the word right now. Next point, but on every word. So we're going to go to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 through 6. It says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. He said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? Hold on a sec. Satan knew, or the serpent knew. He was crafty. (laughs) He knew what God said. He's testing Eve, right? Says, the woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree that is in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it or you will die. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. All right, let's look at what God really said because there were a few things that Eve got wrong when telling the serpent what God had commanded. In Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 through 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, for when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Okay. So God was talking to the man in those verses. And so it's easy to kind of be like, yeah, but the man didn't tell Eve, you know, he didn't, he didn't do his part. Okay, but all throughout the Bible, God is repeating himself. He repeats himself for the sake of his people. He told Joshua, be strong and courageous, like, what, three times? At least in the span of, I don't at least five verses, but I think it was more like three. He, Jesus constantly pointed back to scripture, constantly reminded the people of the word they had forgotten. And so I'm kind of like inclined to believe that God repeated himself for Eve. Because he's like, hey, uh, I think you're forgetting some things. I need you to know what the rules are. So here's the issue. When you look back at those verses in Genesis, that verse in Genesis chapter three, verse three, 
Eve didn't just paraphrase. What she said God told them was in quotation marks. Those were word for word uh, summary, not summaries, like that was word for word what she believed God said. And it was wrong. And there were two things that I noticed that were wrong with it, right? God never said not to touch the fruit. Now, it was a good idea not to touch the fruit. I mean, if you ate it, you would die, so why even entertain that? But she put those words in God's mouth, and suddenly when the serpent tells her, you certainly will not die, okay, she's touching the fruit. She's not dying. Suddenly, the serpent sounds more credible because, hey, he's right. I didn't die. I touched that fruit. So maybe everything else he said is right. Maybe God is, isn't as trustworthy as I thought. Maybe he's holding out on me. And sometimes we think like that too when we add to scripture or we misinterpret it or misremember. We start to think, God, you're not reliable because you said I would never be hurt once I believed in you. Once I became a Christian, nothing bad would ever happen. It's like, ah, God never said that. But that's a mis misperception that a lot of Christians have. And so suddenly when things go wrong, we think, well, God, I shouldn't trust you because you didn't fulfill your end of the deal. And that's, that's where Eve is at. God, you, you were wrong. He's right. I didn't die after I touched that fruit. The second thing she got wrong about what God said is God never referred to the tree as the tree being in the middle of the garden. He referred to it as the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And that is so important because the purpose of that tree was always out there. It was never hidden. It was never a secret. But suddenly Satan comes in and he's like, no, then you'll become like God. You'll know good and evil just like the Lord. And suddenly it's like, whoa, this fruit is good for knowing good and evil. It's like, well, God told you that. He wasn't hiding it. But a lot of times we think God withholds from us. We think that God isn't telling us things that we the serpent is telling us, Satan is telling us, the world is telling us like, hey, you didn't tell me that relationships were so good. You didn't tell me marriage was so great or, you know, that there was so much security in that. It's like, no, God did, but in context, in context is good. So even when you're, you're looking, okay, the fruit, she had plenty to eat, right? Jesus was here. He was being tempted with the lack of food, because of a lack of food. And here she's being tempted in the midst of plenty. There were trees everywhere that she could eat from, but suddenly this looked desirable to her. Suddenly this was more, and she wanted it. And so we do that. We place emphasis just on things that don't matter. We stop emphasizing on God's word and emphasize more on the desires that we have, what we see in this world, what we want to be true. I'm going back to Matthew chapter 4, but this time verses 5 through 7, when the tempter goes after Jesus, it says, Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the higher point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written, he will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. Satan knows scripture. Satan quoted the word. 
See, he didn't have to quote the word for Eve because she kind of, you know, she kind of knew the word. (laughs) She thought she knew the word. But Jesus knew the word and he was using the word and he was succeeding in using the word. And so Satan brought the word out. He's like, yeah, well, the Bible also says. And Satan and Jesus again went after him like, yeah, but it's written. So not only is the devil going to come at you when you don't know the word, but he's going to come at you when you do know the word. And that's why it's so important to know every word so that you're not losing words that God says or adding to it that things that God never said. We need to hold on to every word so that when the devil comes along, we're able to be like, hey, no, yeah, what you said is true, but it's not in that context. I know the word. I know where that was said. I know what else God said. And it doesn't negate. The word doesn't negate itself. So if Satan knows God's word better than you do, don't be surprised when you fall. He knows how to play the game. If you want to know how to play the game, you need to read your word. You need to know every word. Live on every word. And so the last point is that comes from the mouth of God. So Eve, she was living on words. But she wasn't living on God's word. So going back to Genesis chapter 2, verses 16 through 17. Let me remind you. It says, And the Lord God commanded the man, You are free to eat from any tree in the garden, but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. From when you eat from it, you will certainly die. Now listen to what the serpent said about this. Remember, she misquoted, but she still said, like, if you eat from it, you touch it, you'll die. So, you know, death was there. The serpent went against it. Genesis chapter 3, verses 4 through 6. You will not certainly die, the serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat from it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He literally went against what God said. And I didn't hear her interject like, no, 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 no. God said, it was God who said, it's not like they're living in an age where all these other gods exist. This is the first man, the first woman having access to God, questioning God. They had a relationship with God and they were still questioning him. And so the verses continue. When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate it. Suddenly what the serpent said gained her attention. That's what she acted on. That's what it looks like when we're not living off the words that come from God's mouth. She was living off the words that came from Satan's mouth because she followed through on that. She held on to that, right? Suddenly she's seen the fruit differently. Before it was just the, the tree in the middle of the garden, It was nothing big. It's like, yeah, yeah, it's just like any other tree. That's the tree we're not supposed to eat from. That's it. Now, the tree is pleasing for food or good for food, pleasing to the eye, desirable for gaining wisdom. Suddenly, she saw all that she didn't have because Satan was able to open her eyes. She was holding on to what he said instead of what the Lord said. Instead of seeing death, consequences, she was looking at, what don't I have? What are you keeping from me, Lord? Because Eve was living off Satan's word, she went against God's will. 
She stopped seeing what was true. We stopped seeing what's true when we stopped living according to God's word. We start living according to what we think is true, our emotions, which are always changing. <laughs> our emotions aren't, they're not steady. They don't, they fluctuate. We start living off our friend's word, our family's word, which sometimes could be wise, but we've got the voice of wisdom that we can draw from. And instead we're choosing someone else's voice instead of the Lord's who already knows how we should live, how should we should act, what the outcome is, who he is, who we are. We're looking for answers from everybody else, just like Eve was. She didn't go looking for it, but that's where she stayed. She didn't go back to God like, hey, God, so the serpent told me that I wasn't going to die. What's that about? No, she ran with it. She was like, well, this fruit, I won't die. I'll be like, God, all right, let's try this. And her and Adam fell. She ate from the fruit expecting to be like God, but instead looking less like him and causing a rift between them. The fruit didn't live up to the promise because she was living on the wrong words. And we live on the wrong words. We, <laughs> we stop looking for God's word. We stop looking for truth and answers in God's word. In every word, right? We pick and choose. We want to feel good. So God, make me feel happy. Make me feel secure. And that's not to say that it won't happen. But sometimes we need to know the truth. Sometimes... God needs to tell us the things we don't want to hear because that's, the, that's what's true. Eve didn't want to hear that she couldn't eat the fruit because it was, she wasn't like God, right? Yeah, she was in his image, but she wasn't God. There was a distinction. She, she liked the thought of being on his level. But in the end, it just hurt her. It hurt her. And had she known the word, had she remembered what God's word said, she would have remembered the hurt, the pain that would have come along with it, the consequences of following through on her desires. And that's why it's so important to hold on to God's word instead of everybody else's. We need to hold on to every one of God's words. We need to put a priority on the Bible. The same way you're hungry for food, <laughs> the same way you crave it, you need to crave the word. <laughs> You need to crave to know what the word says. You need to know when you have it, right? You know a counterfeit. <laughs> you know a good burger versus a bad burger. A good plate of rice versus a bad plate of rice. You know when you're settling. But because you don't know the word, you don't know what's good, you don't know when you're settling. And so that's why we need to be in it. We need to know what we're allowing to cheapen us, what we're allowing to temporarily satisfy us instead of filling our needs and nourishing us. Worship team, if you could come up. Yeah, I just wanted to add a few thoughts to that. Great word. Thank you, Cease. Um, how many would agree words, words are powerful, right? Good words and bad words sometimes have equal power over you. And it's not just a temporary power. Sometimes it could be a long sustaining thing. The wrong word at the right time can cause very long-term damage, can cause insecurities, can cause anxieties, 
And it, depending on who it's from, it can cause some serious internal damage. You know, it's interesting, the scripture that she read, it said that man does not live on bread alone, but on every word, right? And so I like that he points out, like, we need bread. We need, we need the things in the natural world, not just food, but relationships, things that Cicely had mentioned, family. Like, we need those things. When those things become the full source of everything in your life, then you're setting yourself up to fail because those things include sometimes bad pieces of advice or bad words. And I was just thinking about this. A friend of mine messaged me today. We were talking back and forth and uh, found out they had food poisoning on Tuesday. I was like, oh, snap, you all right? You're like, yeah, you know, I'm just walking through it. I said, where'd you get it? And they said, Chick-fil-A. I said, the Lord's chicken did that to you? I said, you must have sinned or something. That like, Lord's chicken just doesn't do that to people. She got sick. She got food poisoning. I wonder how many of us have lived in life right now with food poisoning. A word that was spoken over you that's causing damage. Maybe you were young, like a friend of mine who in second grade, his teacher called him stupid. And he yelled back, I'm not stupid, you're stupid. And he left school. He walked home, second grade. Or another, my pastor, the guy who mentored me, when he was little, they made him wear a sign that says, I'm dumb. Because he couldn't read well. He was dyslexic. And at that time, they didn't understand what dyslexia was. And that caused such a severe damage psychologically for him that he always thought he was dumb. But just because people say you're dumb, just because, hey, maybe you're a little feminine or you're a little masculine and that doesn't follow through with your gender norm. And now they're saying, well, you're just gay. That's what it is. It's like, well, if people say you're gay all your life, you're going to feel like maybe I am. If people are saying you're stupid all your life, you're going to think, well, maybe I am. If people say you're never going to amount to anything, you're going to start to feel like maybe I won't. And it's these words that have impact. And again, I don't think people always understand when they're speaking them, the impact that they have. Like, I used to get straight A's, believe it or not. I used to get straight A's all throughout grade school. And I remember one specific time, I just had bad handwriting. I don't even think they grade you on handwriting anymore. But I, I, I wrote like I was writing with my left foot. I just had really bad handwriting. And, uh, and I got a C in handwriting and an A in everything else. And I remember I came and I showed my dad my report card, and I was super excited. I was like, look at my report card, you know, all A's, a little C. But who cares? It's handwriting. In the future, we'll have computers, and no one will write. And I remember he looked at it, he goes, you know, it's like this table. It's super clean, but you got a big pile of poop in the middle. You should clean the poop. And I remember, I was little, but I remember in that moment going, I'm never going to try again. What's the point? Now that wasn't right, but it's how I felt. Because a word, he didn't mean that. I understand now older what he meant. He just didn't have a better way of saying it. But words have an impact on your life. And I wonder tonight, what poison word has been echoing in your heart? It may not have been from just one person. It might have been just something you've heard a lot in your life. It might have been something that's put on you. It might have to do with the color of your skin. It might have to do with where you grew up. It might have to do with how you fall in line within your siblings. It might have to do with some poor experiences you had with maybe even strangers. 
Think about this. Eve walked with God, had a relation with God and Adam. And for the first time ever meeting the serpent, it was like, you know what? You might be right. It's not like she had a deep-seated relation. It's not like that was her bestie. She just met the dude at a tree and like, you know what? Creepy looking thing. You're probably right. But listen, even strangers can cause food poisoning. Sixth grade, I transferred into a new school. First time ever, super nervous. Walked into school. They did that really awkward thing where they stand in front of the whole class. This is the new student. Everyone stare at him awkwardly. The first thing I heard out of a girl's mouth, ew, he's ugly. I was like, but yo, sixth grade, you know, ain't too many of us pretty. Like we going through some awkward stuff, man. You know, only one armpit had hair. It was weird times. But it messed with me. It messed with me for a few years. And listen, everybody deals with these things because everybody hears words because we live in this world. So I'm not saying walk through this world covering your ears. I'm saying lift your ears up a little bit higher and listen to the word of the Lord. But listen, you can't hear the word of the Lord and not know the word of the Lord. That's the problem. And that's what Sicily was trying to say. Jesus knew the word of God better than the enemy. So when the enemy tried to confront him, Jesus like, yo, don't even come at me with that, homie. I was there when it was written. I know the word better than you. I am the word. So you're not going to step on this one. You're not going to get to me. I don't care how tired I am. I don't care how long it's been. Because I am sustained by the word of God. So that when people say, oh, he's ugly. All I think about is my word. And my word says that I am fearfully and wonderfully made. The word says that I am the Lord's masterpiece. And listen. Y'all may not appreciate art the way I do, but I am the Lord's masterpiece, (laughs) okay? When when people say, hey, you're never going to amount to anything, my word says that I'm a new creation in Christ Jesus, that through Christ I'll be able to do infinitely and above anything, more than anything I could have ever thought or imagined, that through Christ I'll be able to do even greater things than he did. So you can't tell me I'm not going to amount to anything. I'm going to amount to everything God said I would. See, everything somebody speaks over you, I'm telling you this, I promise you this, anything anyone has ever spoken over you, there is in the word of God to counteract that. But you will never know it if you never read it. So here's the truth. At the end of the day, it really is up to you to know God's word, to hear God's word, to internalize God's word so that you can live by God's word. If you don't put in the work, don't be surprised when you fall for everybody else's words. I'm going to ask you to stand as you we get ready to close tonight. I'm going to ask you to bow your head for just a moment. I just want you to listen to me. And listen, this goes for everybody in the room because some of us, man, we can be 37 years old and still walking around with some scars of what people have said about us or to us. But I want you to be honest with yourself right now. Just take a moment. Has there been some food poisoning in your life? Has there been a word that somebody has spoken over you that's hurt you, that's affected you? Has there been some things that kids have said, parents have said, friends have said, adults have said, maybe even people you trusted, people that you depended on to speak good words 
And whether they understood it or not, the things that they said have really messed with you for a while now. And a lot of your insecurity, a lot of your fear, a lot of your anxiety, a lot of your shame, a lot of your doubt is all tied into these words that people have said over you. Listen, if that's you, just show me by raising up your hand because I want to deal with that tonight. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Come on, let's be honest with ourselves. Thank you, bro. Thank you. Yeah, that's good. Anyone else? Hey, do me a favor. I want to invite you up here with me. Just join me up here. If you raised your hand, if you raised your hand, just meet me up here. If, even if you didn't, but you know you needed to. Hey, can I tell you something really cool? Because I need you to understand the heart of our father. Look at me real quick, because this is good. The Bible tells us when Jesus Christ was baptized... And he did it in order to fulfill scripture and to be obedient to God, just like you guys took a moment of obedience right now. The Bible says that when he baptized him, when he was baptized and he came up out of the water, that the heavens opened up and something like a dove came down and then the voice of the Lord spoke to a point where not only Jesus heard it, but everybody who was there heard this voice. And you know what the voice said? This is my son. First, he declared his ownership. This is my son in whom I'm well pleased. The very first words before Jesus ever did a miracle, before he ever accomplished anything for the kingdom of God, before he ever raised from the dead, before he raised Lazarus from the dead, before he fed the 5,000, before he did anything to earn it, God the Father said, I'm proud of you because you're my son. And I need you to know this tonight, that the simple fact that you are a child of God is enough for him to love you and be proud of you. You don't earn it anymore from here. There's nothing we can do to earn it. Now we just respond to it. And the life we live is a life in response to a God who loves us and is proud of us. And so I just want to speak that over you this evening. Because maybe it's been a while since somebody told you they're proud of you. But it doesn't matter if I say it or if your mom or dad say it or if your teacher or your coach says it. Because it won't be more impactful than knowing that God says it about you. That he looks down on you and he says, this is my son, this is my daughter. Mine, no one else's, they belong to me. And in them, I am well pleased. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord, for your word, God. Because we know there are so many voices in this world that are trying to speak lies over us. There are so many voices, and we know it's not even people, God. We know that our enemy is not flesh and blood, but it's the spirituality and the forces in this dark world. We understand that, God, and we know that the enemy will oftentimes use people to get to us, people that we love, people that we trust, people that we depended on. And Lord, sometimes in anger or just in ignorance, they may have said something, God, and have no idea the long-standing ramifications that it would have. They had no idea how long it would rattle in our hearts. But Father, they said something, but so did you. 
And Lord, I pray even now that what you have said about us echoes louder than anything else anyone else has said about us. That your affirmation in us is more important than the affirmation of any other human being we can find on this planet. That your love for us would be more important and more impactful than what we seek in anyone else. So Lord, I pray even now by your spirit, would you speak a word over them, God? Would you speak a word that they need to hear tonight, Lord? Father, whether it's I'm pleased with you or I love you or I forgive you or I need you or I want you, Lord, let them know whatever it is they need to hear. Speak that over them tonight, God. Speak your truth over them, O Lord. Let your voice grow louder than the voice of anybody else, Almighty King. Let your voice move in them, O Lord God. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Father, we need your word, O Lord. We can't live on bread alone, but we desire to hear your voice in our prayers and through your scripture, God. So, Father, help us to be disciplined. Help us to take the time. Lord, as much as we take the time to look at things online and to scroll through our different social medias, God, would we take even more time to hear your voice and to seek your word, to internalize it, so that no matter what anybody says, no matter what thing the devil brought to you, Lord, you were able to counter it because you knew the word. Lord, I pray we would be able to do the same so that no lie, no scheme, no trick of the enemy would ever be able to fool us because we know the voice of our Father. We know what he said. And we know what he believes about us. And Lord, I pray, help us to believe it too. Help us to see ourselves the same way you see us, God. We thank you for this, Lord. And we pray this all in Jesus' mighty name. And everybody here said, amen. amen. Come on, would you give God a hand clap of praise? Hey, listen, I'm going to invite you to come out of your seats and I'm going to ask the worship team if they can get ready to just lead us in a, in a time of worship. Here's the deal. We got to get in our word. We got to make sure that we're praying. We got to know God's voice. And one of those ways that we can do that and usher in his presence is by taking time to worship, by remembering that he is a good God and a good God speaks good over us. So let's close tonight on a, on a positive note. Let's close tonight by celebrating our God, by loving on our God, by declaring his goodness. Amen? Come on, let's lift up holy hands. Let's begin to worship his name. Let's begin to declare it tonight. His goodness, his love, his mercy, oh Lord.